Hello and welcome to Movie Challenge Accepted. I'm Jason. And I am Arco. And we are back uh, one week or two weeks after you told the world we would leave the Marvel Cinematic Universe behind <laughs> for all time. Yeah, thanks for bringing anyone, that up. <laughs> yeah, anyone clicking on this episode sees that, no, no, we, we can't get away from them for long. Yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, it, it, it was worth doing. Yeah, no, it definitely was, mm-hmm. and I don't mind, I, I don't want to just eliminate, <laughs> mostly because right. we need listeners, <laughs> I don't want to tell the world, oh, we'll never do another Marvel movie right. again, because yeah. then we're just going to have unsubscribers yeah. Yeah. right I, I, and left. Yeah, and we, and we don't want that, we want people to enjoy it, but uh, th- that was definitely a film, Black Panther, that uh, I knew that uh, you should be reviewing, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. It's okay. a com- not complicated movie to talk about, but it might be a challenging movie for two white dudes in the <laughs> suburbs to talk about. Okay, all right. We're, we're going that way. That's fine. That's good. I'm, well, I'm, ready. I'm ready for it. I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 is a, it is a movie that has a great amount of weight on its shoulders. Yeah, and um, absolutely. It, I think it pu- pulls it off pretty well. But okay. we're going to start because we try to alternate one week and, and another mm-hmm. week. I gave you this week uh, Armando Iannucci's farce mm-hmm. about the death of Stalin, which is titled, quite conveniently, The Death of Stalin. <laughs> yeah, it's a, not, not very subtle, but uh, right to the point there. Yeah, uh, you know exactly what you're going to see when you click on this movie. So um, that's what I gave you. Mm-hmm. And I'd known uh, Iannucci, I was a huge Veep fan, mm-hmm. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, sort of the the satire of the American political system that was on HBO for, I think, seven seasons. Um, and I don't know. Did you ever see that? No, I never really got into Veep, to be quite honest with you. Uh, that's not the type of satire that I normally get into. Um, and so it was a little bit lost on me. Understandable. But yeah. was the movie also lost on you? No, 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 because, uh, and, you know, again, no subtlety there either. It, the movie I enjoyed. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it was a movie that I had known about but had never uh, gotten a chance to watch. Um, when I had seen the uh, the, the uh, previews for it, maybe on YouTube or something, it definitely came off as a comedy and uh, a black comedy, as we like to say, um, satire and parody. In, in a political sense uh, of a historic um, uh, things that happened in history in 1953. Um, however, uh, I as much as I love the film, and, and I really did love, I love the film. I love everybody in this film. We'll get into that. I, I did notice a, a, a not subtle shift in tone uh, about two-thirds th- two of the way through. I'd say the last <laughs> third of the film was deadly serious and you know when we're talking about the things that happened over there as we've found out later uh when the iron curtain came down in 1989 that many of the things that are in this film did for the most part happen and unfortunately happened as as it was uh, portrayed so while it became more of a uh almost a documentary a little bit it uh it still didn't lose anything for me i did enjoy this film overall Yeah, it it starts off, and again, for those of you that don't know, The Death of Stalin is essentially concerns the events in the immediate aftermath of the stroke that befalls uh, Joseph Stalin, who led the Soviet Union for more than 30 years Mm -hmm. in 1953, and the power struggle that goes on behind the scenes 
once he dies. Right. And the idea of which member of the Politburo is going to take over as the uh, secretary of the Communist Party and essentially the leader of the Soviet Union. And Ainucci is very interested in how power and institutions corrupt people. And like you said, you're not that familiar with him. I'm only familiar with him as the writer and creator of Veep, mm-hmm. which skewers the American political system. But apparently he, he did a show in England, in Great Britain, called The Thick of It, which right. is a, a, a similar sort of uh, interrogation mm-hmm. of what modern politics are like. Mm-hmm. And everything is incredibly biting. All the humor is is laced with layers of insults. <laughs> it's incredibly smart. It's incredibly mm-hmm. sharp. Mm-hmm. And I caught Death of Stalin on a whim on a Netflix click, like late at night one night. And, right. I, and I've seen it twice more since then because right. there's just so much coming at you yeah. as soon as the movie starts. Yeah. I... I... I feel the same exact way. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that I knew of the film, I would probably would have been going into it a lot, uh, a lot more guarded about what I was watching. But I knew to expect the the satirical side of it. So when it was coming, it was really laugh out loud funny uh, from the beginning of of the film when you have the um, inner circle of the Politburo hanging out with the Joseph Stalin watching a film and they're all acting like buddies and everything and you know Jeffrey Tambor who I love and everything I don't care he's he is the greatest straight man but bumbling idiot in, in almost all of his all of his roles he really is that good and you know he brings up something that he shouldn't have said you know probably a little drunk they were all drunk and you know, basically, you almost felt like Stalin was going to kill him for it, and everybody was on their toes right after that. It it was definitely uh, in my reading my notes right now. Right from the beginning, it was like watching a Monty Python sketch, and um, really, like I said, the first two thirds of the film really followed that formula to a T. And even you know, with Eric Idle, a famous Monty Python uh, alumni, as part of the cast. Uh, actually, it's Michael Palin. Excuse me, uh, excuse me, Michael Palin. I apologize. Yes. (laughs) So uh, yeah, exactly. So and and he played he played a perfect part for that also. Yeah, I was actually surprised that there was only one member of Monty Python in right. Exactly. That's how much it felt like it. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. like I I think excusing there's two American actors. Steve Buscemi Mm -hmm. plays Nikita Khrushchev, Mm -hmm. and Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Tambor, as you said, he plays. uh, Uh, Gorgi Malenkov. Um, right. And again, I don't know a ton of Russian history. Right. I, I know the surface level stuff. Mm-hmm. But essentially, this is a British production. It's a British film. There's a few American actors. But by and large, it, it is um, it is British made. And there's that very British Monty Python-esque sense of of insightful, blindingly sharp comedy that you get that comes through that. Well. And I, I like to call it even insulting, insultingly sharp, because well, it, it from from their point of view, it's like, all right, you guys are a bum, bunch of bumbling idiots through this entire thing. And that's how they came across for a good part of this film. Well, yeah, there's that very specific kind of British comedy that has been honed over the years that I think probably reached its apex with the British version of The Office, okay. which is sort of that really uncomfortable, cringy comedy mm-hmm. And I, I think Ricky, Ricky Gervais is hysterical. Yeah. But he at times can also make me so incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> and I think Ainucci kind of taps into that with this movie where you're watching 
you're watching these people kind of figure out how they're going to stage a coup mm-hmm. against um, against uh, Lavrenti Beria, who is right. the head of the NKVD, the, the Russian secret police, yep, yep. who is the most powerful man in Russia because he's got the lists of mm-hmm. all the names and he's able to put anyone in, in, in the Lubyanka. Mm-hmm. And he he's the guy that is clearly the most diabolical in his machinations right but but like you said it, it's they're they're plotting a coup against him but it's basically taking out the worst of the worst i mean they all like i said they all did some bad they all did bad things obviously they all um pegged people to be on these lists whether they should be or not they don't really go into it uh, but uh, you know they're all bad people through history they all did some bad things in in and with and abused the, all of their powers but barrier was the worst of all of them yeah and like you said the movie does take a turn about two-thirds of the way through right right from it, it kind of starts off as as satire and, mm-hmm. and they find stalin in a puddle of his own urine and no one <laughs> wants to say anything because he, he god forbid and they move him and they're trying to figure out what to do what if he lives what if he dies and then right, it's right. the movie sort of progresses into outright farce yep, as yep. they're standing honor guard for Stalin and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Buscemi as as, Khrush, as Khrushchev sees yeah. the, the the priest the priest and he, Jesus Christ it's the bishops the bishops who, invite, you, who invited the bishops did you invite the who bishops who invited the bishops did you yeah. invite the bishops yeah, yeah. And, and, and the fact that mm-hmm. that there are no doctors that can treat Stalin because yeah. he ordered all of them yeah, killed, killed or yeah, exiled exactly it's uh you know it, it bit them in the ass obviously it's bad karma so they ended up using only really, really young doctors or really, really old ones. And uh, hell, most of them, I think, were then killed right after he died. Um, you know, it, it really just... Uh, they portrayed an era of history, of Soviet history, that we know now to be, back then, was very, very hard on the entire um, the entire Soviet Union. You know, as many as 20 million people died during World War II, but estimates have it higher that died during Stalin's reign and basically the purges that he did. So uh, I enjoyed what they did with this film and, and how they brought levity to it. But I also understand how the tone shifted towards the end because it needed to, um, you know, especially with the, um, the end of Brevia at the end. Yeah, because you get to a point where, you know, the famous line that's attributed to Stalin, and who knows if he actually said it, right. is one: the killing of one person is a tragedy. You kill a million, it's a, it's a statistic. Right. And so it's almost impossible to do an effective movie to show the breadth of suffering mm-hmm. of what Stalin did to, like, the kulaks in the, uh, the breadbasket, the, yep. the farmers that mm-hmm. he drove into famine and drove the whole country into famine in the mm-hmm. 30s with the nationalization of, of the farming and the agriculture. Right. But when you get J- Jason Isaac shows up <laughs> as World War II hero Field Marshal Zhukov, and mm-hmm. he's pretty much the only character... In the in the movie, besides Beria, mm-hmm. that has a spine. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And essentially, he's the guy who's like, "You guys want this done? We have to do it, and it's going to get ugly." Because mm-hmm. all of Stalin's cronies who mm-hmm. who are fighting over who should take over, it's all half measures because they've all been sort of conditioned to fear everyone else around them, and everyone else is plotting around them right right exactly i i love jason jason isaacs in this film because he came off as um 
uh, I mean, quintessential Jason Isaacs to me. I, I know him very well from some films like the Harry Potter series where he plays Lucius Malfoy. And, of course. Uh, and he was, <laughs> and uh, he was also in The Patriot. I, I, I can't. I remember his his uh, his character's name in that. Colonel Will, William Tavington. Great uh, role. Very, very good. Yeah, great role. I mean, you hated him in that film. You absolutely hate him. In fact, since that movie, which I think came out in, well, I don't know, 90, 99 or 2000. 2000. Yeah, the guy played a, a real douche for about 12 years. So uh, how he even has any parts that anybody likes him in is amazing. Um, but, you know, his particular role in this, it was it was almost comic relief for a, a short amount of time, the way he was acting. He was he was all gung-ho for the, um, for the coup, you know, and he would lead the way, but he's like, you know, you guys got to be behind me or else I'm not doing this. And uh, he, he played a really great role in this. Yeah, and yeah. he's... The, the lines in this movie, we could just go oh, on reciting oh. lines. Because like, he's he he fires off when he's talking about Beria. He's like, I, I fuck Germany. I think I can fuck a lump of flesh in a waistcoat. I, I mean... Uh, my favorite line, actually, in the whole film, and it's... It, it happened uh, right after Stalin uh, had the uh, had the stroke, and they're in the woods, and they're already starting to split up into their little groups, uh, you know, trying to uh, their power play. And Steve Buscemi pointing at uh, Molokov and Beria, and he goes, "Look at those, look at those two fucking Abbott Costello over there." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't get any more American than that. And I and let me tell you, I love the fact that these actors did not in any way, shape, or form try to portray themselves as Russian. No Russian accents. It was like I was listening to, um, you know, uh, 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 Buscemi doing his uh, uh, soprano um, character. Uh, or or um, what was he in Boardwalk Empire? I, I mean, it was like... Nucky. Yeah, uh, Nucky, whatever. But it, yeah. that, that's, that's who I was watching over there, but as Nikita Khrushchev. And it made it even funnier to think of these... Politicians in real life actually sounding like this, it would make it even better. Well, I think the way to go in in these movies, whenever you're gonna delve into the world of accents, right. either either you have to go all the way and you have to get actors that are very skilled with dialect mm -hmm. and and be believable, because otherwise it becomes it, you're already shooting a farce, right? right. The movie's exactly. a farce, exactly. And you, if you're, then it gets into the realm of of ridiculous, over the top. Uh, the the take on it if you were if you just have everyone talking in in Russian accent yeah, yeah, is yeah. not good for you know it's no you no, it because becomes, it, it's, it becomes silly it's, just, it's yeah. not believable it's just silly but with this you just have you just have act, just actors talking their regular voice right. it's wildly yeah. effective I agree and it, but the the heart not the the heart the, the movie has no heart no no but the the performance that blew me away mm -hmm. was an actor that I'd never seen before mm -hmm. since, but apparently is wildly respected on the British stage. Yep. The actor that played Beria is yep. named Simon Russell Beale. Yeah. I, and I, I've never seen him before. He looked familiar to me. Um, in fact, he looked like well, maybe one of the actors who played uh, Kissinger in, uh, in uh, some other films that I had seen him in, but uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen this, this, uh, this actor myself. No, pretty much all of his movie credits are filmed uh, productions of stage plays. Yes. The vast majority of which are Shakespearean plays. Mm -hmm. And apparently, from what I read, he's wildly respected. 
And from some of the reviews I read, those people and these critics who had seen him or were aware of his work had no idea that he could be funny as fuck. Because and, yeah, but but terrifying also because yeah. the things that he was doing and or saying or known for. And let's be honest, I don't I didn't know who most of these. Uh, people are. Uh, I know Nikita Khrushchev, of course, but I, I don't know who Beria was. And to find out through the film how evil of a man he was, along with many of the other ones, it was amazing that he was able to pull that off as well as he was. Yeah, and because, again, if you're making... You're going to have to spend time with these characters. We're going to spend two hours with these characters mm-hmm. who are responsible for heinous crimes. Right. And you have to make them fully rounded per- people because you're not going to be able to stand mm-hmm. spending this amount of time with someone if they are a laughable, over-the-top comic book villain, which is why they were wise to get Stalin off the stage very quickly. Yeah, immediately, pretty much right, right, off the, right, right after they, uh, their big hangout night, they, he just uh, strokes out. Yeah, which obviously that's you know the the inciting incident of the movie. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you have him hanging around, it's just it's almost impossible to to, to grab comedy out of that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. y- y- they, I I don't know. And again, I'm I'm assuming from the from the sense that I got from watching Veep for every every episode, every season, and a show that I love, mm-hmm. you get the sense that Inucci is very skilled at absorbing research right. and putting that research on the page in a way that is not just sort of a, an expository lecture in a college lecture hall. It's exactly. much more of yeah. weaving this history into a story that has emotion, that has an arc. Because at one point, you get uh, Andrea Riseborough, who, mm-hmm. by the way, mm-hmm. if anyone hasn't seen, there's a show, I don't talk often about other shows and stuff that I'm into, but mm-hmm. I, this, this is a show I have to. There's a show on Amazon called Zero Zero Zero. It came out about two, maybe three years ago now, mm-hmm. and it's about the international cocaine trade, and she's in that, and that show, if you haven't seen it, is fucking awesome no it's, no i haven't i never heard of it but it's funny going getting ready for today bringing up the imdb i just realized that i had seen her in another film she did look familiar but i mean she looked totally different in the other film i i, I spoke to you about nicholas cage's mandy came out in 2018 she was she was the titular mandy in that film and, oh really yeah and i didn't realize it was her so uh, definitely, you know, she's very good in both, uh, but I mean, wildly different in her uh, acting styles in, in, in either one. Just goes to show you how good of an actress she is. Yeah, she's phenomenal in this, and she's great in Zero Zero Zero. I didn't realize I also saw her in the Michael Keaton movie Birdman that yes, came out. Uh, yeah, I did not realize that either until today. Yeah. And also, you brought uh, this is kind of interesting. We're we're digressing more and more on this show, but I think our fans <laughs> that's they, okay. They want to go on it's these right. rides. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's okay. We're not, we're not going so, too deep. <laughs> so you've asked me in the offline if I'm into David O. Russell, yes, the writer yes, director. Yes. Uh-huh. And oddly enough, much like Steven Soderbergh, he's another one of those uh, filmmakers that is wildly revered by uh, a lot of cinephiles and a lot of film fans. But I, I don't know. He just hasn't spoken to me. I really like Three Kings with George Clooney and Ice-T and, and Spike Jones, But Right, right, right. I, haven't, I, I didn't care for American Hustle. Uh, okay. But anyway, okay. mm-hmm. Andrea Riseborough, her, according to her IMDb, is in is slated to be in this year, Untitled David O. Russell. Uh, it, is a, it is his next movie mm-hmm. that, according to IMDb, mm-hmm. the plot details are being kept under wraps. Okay. Uh, there's okay. no information on this other than, wow, 
uh, along with Andrea Riseborough, mm-hmm. Anya Taylor Joy, right, Christian Bale, and Margot Robbie. Well, so, that's that is some film. <laughs> to, oh, Tim, Timothy, hang on, hang on, hang on now. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. These are the. We're now talking about a film that we know nothing about. Right. Literally but, nothing. But love all the actors. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant, Zoe Saldana, Robert De Niro, Michael Shannon, Rami Malek, mm-hmm. Andrea Riseborough, Mike Myers. Right. Holy crap. Yeah, Taylor is, Swift. Well, I mean, now now you're really coming up with a film that's almost like uh, Tarantino-ish where you have everybody in there in a small little part. I mean, remember, Mike Myers had a memorable part that nobody even remembers him in uh, with uh, Inglorious Bastards. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if it's that type of film. Yeah, but if it is, I'm okay with that because yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Q, QT also did the same thing with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yes, where... Yes. You know, everyone shows up in that movie at one right. point or another for exactly. a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just getting getting back to the reason you're here, if you're still listening. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you picked up on the change in tone because obviously, like sometimes I worry that I read too much into movies and I'm always trying to look for subtext that might not exist. Mm-hmm. And so when someone else whose opinion I trust and I've come to trust your opinion, well, of course, you. doing thank the you. show. <laughs> Which wasn't always the case. I it think de- we definitely wasn't. <laughs> definitely wasn't. But I think we've proven ourselves to be much more open-minded than we thought we were. Right, right. Uh, yeah, there, there's a tone, and specifically when they grab Barry and they drag him into that like sort of garage yeah. warehouse yeah. kind yeah. of space. Right, right. And uh, Malenkov reads off an indictment that they had just drawn up because they need to get Barry out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Because in the movie, Khrushchev and everyone is kind of saying this is an opportunity to engage some reforms. Right, right. To, to maybe it. empty the prisons a little bit, right. uh, to, to ease the foot off of the authoritarian gas pedal mm-hmm. that Stalin had been driving. And the problem is, is that you need to do that. You have to make sure that you yourself are not going to get thrown in prison in the Lubyanka or, you know, get a bullet to the back of the head. Right. So they need to get Barry out of the way. Right. And Malenkov starts reading off this uh, indictment, listing all these allegations, mostly like sexual crimes with children and right. Barry is denying everything which 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 we did see obviously what what he was doing through the film which made it even more cringy yeah mm-hmm. and that scene th- like there's no more laughing in that movie at that no, point no absolutely not <laughs> and that that room and that scene gets so cold so mm-hmm. quick mm-hmm. and and so brutally um terrifying right that when they commit Beria to, to his fate and they're struggling to, to kind of wrestle him outside out of nowhere, and you don't ever see it. And at first I thought it was Jason Isaacs, the Zukov character, but I don't think it's him. As all these people are wrestling Beria out into the courtyard where they're going to kill him, from out of the frame, a hand holding a, holding a pistol comes out, pop, puts a bullet in Beria's head. Yeah. And Zhukov turns and he's like, well, that's done then, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much like he like, well, I didn't expect it to happen that way. Uh, And let's be honest, we knew that it was going to happen and so did they. However, uh, I think the fact that it was almost an underling soldier that did it uh, because I noticed it also, Jason. It was definitely out of the frame. Um, You know, I I thought it was going to be one of the um, higher ups to do it or uh, but no, uh, that did take that take take the wind out of my sails for a quick second there too 
Yeah, because it's it you you don't see it because you're waiting for and I guess you know the way it would work is no none of the higher ups would actually yeah, dirty right. their hands right. by pulling a trigger themselves. But in the course of how the the scene is shot, it it, it is literally an unknown. Per- you never learn who pulled the trigger. Right. And I and I did a little Wikipediaing afterwards. And again, mm-hmm. Wikipedia, take it for what it's worth. Love but it. apparently, this is fairly. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> This is fairly faithful to how Barrio was killed. Yes, yes. And the fact that sort of a, an empire can turn on the trigger pull of someone whose name, whose face you never see, and whose name you never learn, I think is is kind of what Ainucci is getting at, where where you have all these these you have all these people in power sort of pulling the strings and, and maneuvering and, and backbiting one another. And then in the end, the people that do the dirty work and have to sleep at night right. are people that are doing a job. It's a private or a corporal mm-hmm. or it's someone that you're, you're never going to learn because they're not part of the story. Right. And, you know, even in this, we know Stalin killed, you know, was responsible for the, for the deaths of untold millions. Right. But right. the story is ultimately about these men in power and to be able to extract comedy from that i think speaks to how insightful a filmmaker and a writer Ainucci is yes and um though i have never uh, you know I, i've never seen any of his other work and actually didn't even know my name before uh, you uh, challenged me with this film i you know it seems to me that he definitely knows his way around political satire where it's both um uh, it, it's truthfully biting, uh, like we said before, insulting, but it, without it being comical to the point that they are uh, suppressing the actual story of what really happened. Yeah, he, all, like I said, he did uh, The Thick of It, Thief, and uh, Veep, rather, and I guess he did a show called Avenue 5 that I really don't know anything about. But um, he also did a show with... Uh, with uh, Steve Coogan, who I yes. I love and I've uh, always loved, and uh, and I yeah. kind of was surprised that Steve Coogan didn't show up in this mo- in this movie. Yeah, at he, any point. he would he would have been great in this film. Absolutely, I, I've loved Steve Coogan ever since Tropic Thunder. Have you ever seen any of those uh, the movies um, with Rob Brydon, the 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 trip? Um, no, I know of them, but I never saw them. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, that's good mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. But um yeah, man, the I the death of Stalin, I mean, rewards multiple viewings, rewards cl- close viewing and yeah. paying attention. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh yeah, man, I'm 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 glad you had a good time. I, I definitely had a good time. I, you know, I, I was not against this challenge in the slightest. Uh, I've been I've been ho hum about going to watch the films that you've challenged with uh, in the past of some of them, but this one I had to, definitely wanted to watch and I have to be honest with you. Uh, you know, like I said, I love Jeffrey Tambor in, in anything that he's done since the late 70s, early 80s. But, you know, Steve Buscemi really has become a great, great character actor um, through the last 25 years. Uh, and, you know, he was really great in this film. He was, the, you know, he was the main character in this film. Just shows you, you know, at, at, in the last 20 minutes of the film, he embodied the spirit of Nikita Khrushchev to the point that you can realize how he became the uh, premier of um, of the Soviet Union and how people feared him 
through through throughout his reign through the through the Cuban Missile Crisis uh, until and through the death of uh, JFK and until he was uh, you know voted out in 1964. Yeah, uh, Buscemi is one of those guys. He's the opposite of the Vince Vaughn type, where yeah. <laughs> yes. Vince Vaughn always plays Vince Vaughn, but right. Steve Buscemi is always someone different. The fact that uh, kind of like not traditionally handsome, uh, no, no. kind of no. slender former mm-hmm. New York City firefighter right, right. can pull off uh, you know comedy like in yeah. Fargo uh, and 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 sort of being a menacing character like Nucky in, mm-hmm. in uh, Boardwalk Empire and, and Mr. Blonde? Mr. No, Mr. Pink. He was Mr. Mr. Pink. Pink. I'm sorry. Oh, he, he, he hated Mr. Pink. He hated the yeah. word Pink. You, you be Pink. <laughs> yeah, you got a cool sounding name. You're Mr. Black. I gotta be fucking Mr. Pink. Um yeah, yeah, I mean, I, that that just speaks to his range, and my God, the guy's got, geez, 113 movie credits. Yeah, in, yeah. So he's definitely just, doing something insane. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, Death of Stalin. I'm glad you had a good time with yeah, it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But however, you know, Jason, you told me that um, you were looking forward to Black Panther. Now that we're segueing over to that and back into the MCU, however, you you. You know, we like to say that we have thoughts. That's what we're. That's the, all we ever really say about our films and what we're uh, going to talk about. But you said that this one was actually the hardest challenge, perhaps, that I've given you so far. So I'm curious as to why. So Black Panther is a movie that obviously was revered and and loved and is meaningful. Yes, possibly the most important movie we've done in terms of social impact yes right i I agree because black panther portrays a mostly uh black cast Mm -hmm. um a black superhero played by chadwick boseman Mm -hmm. and essentially the the, there's two white uh actors there's martin freeman as a cia officer and Mm -hmm. and andy circus not wearing a motion capture suit nope (laughs) but the movie is is largely portrays a world that we have never seen before right and featuring actors that by and large we don't see and we hadn't seen at the time in 2018 when this was released so ryan coogler and and joe uh um i'm sorry joe robert cole have sort of a great weight placed upon them in order for this movie has to not only be entertaining like this movie has to be entertaining it has to do all the world building um moving the pieces forward that right. every MCU movie has to do. Mm-hmm. And it has to be successful because it's very easy to see a world in which where if this movie did not do well, mm-hmm. where industry types say, oh, the world or America doesn't want to see black actors in these roles. And we're just going to stick to the formula that we know. Right? I, so, I agree. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on this movie. Mm-hmm. And... I think now four years, <coughs> excuse me, four years removed from this coming out, and I didn't see it before because I, I hadn't seen any of the MCU uh, movies before. I think you're able to examine, you're able to separate the importance of the movie from the movie as a film and like how it works as a film. And I've expressed uh, that Creed, Ryan Coogler's Creed mm-hmm. with Michael B. Jordan, mm-hmm. is possibly one of my favorite movies of the last twenty years. Great, it. Mm-hmm. it punches me in the gut every single time I see it. Uh, not afraid to say that I cry at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. It it really, it works in every way. And getting to Black Panther as as a film, 
I think it, it it works in one way and it doesn't. I've expressed to you that the longest of these movies, the mm-hmm. ones that run like two hours and 45 minutes, okay. at a certain point they become a slog mm-hmm. to me. Right, okay. Right? And so at around the hour and a half mark, I'm like, oh, man, I still got another hour and 15 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And you start to, your mind starts to wander. Maybe okay. you grab your phone, this and that. Black Panther was the opposite. I thought Black Panther started fairly slow. Okay. A matter of fact, at the 46-minute mark, I have a note that says, this is fairly slow. So, <laughs> see, as you see, my notes really mm-hmm. play a role yeah, in yeah. this podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, mm. And then I started thinking about why. And so Black Panther in the beginning is almost like a James Bond movie, hmm. in a way, where he goes to Busan, mm-hmm. South Korea. Right. And that scene, that entire scene reminded me very much of the Macau scene in Skyfall. Yes. Okay. Very good. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shuri, his sister, is kind of his cue with her her technical know-how. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then once you get past that, because I, I thought that that chase scene was a little underwhelming. I thought that that fight scene was a little traditional. It's very much by the numbers. But then the movie kind of keeps going, and I think this is the rare movie, the rare Marvel movie. Not rare, I shouldn't say that, but this is one of the Marvel movies that actually gets a lot more propulsive the deeper mm-hmm. you get into it. Okay, and and may I ask, is that reason that it picks up at a certain point because of Killmonger finally getting into the picture and really revealing what it is that he has been working on to get back into Wakanda? So, yes. Okay. Like, I think... So, So these the, the, the other things I kind of observed are that, like, Bozeman was a hell of an actor. Mm-hmm. But it also seems like he's the only one in the movie not having any fun. Uh, oh, that's... Uh... That's a very interesting point, um, and I'm sure we will hear from some of our friends as to uh, if they agree with that. Um, I, I never really thought of it as if he wasn't having any fun or enjoying the process. I, I did think that his character of um, of T'Challa was weighted down uh, with his uh, the expectations of the mantle of Black Panther, the king of Wakanda, of, of, of this country, however small it might be. And I also felt that maybe uh, the, the spirit of his father was hanging over him. This really only took, this, this film took part, uh, took place uh, very shortly after Civil War did, uh, his father died in that film. Um, but knowing what we know now, since he passed on in the summer of 2020, he was amazingly going through this while also battling stage three colon cancer. So, you know, if, if you find something that you may not like about the actual performance, the nuanced performance that he did, I would say that would be the reason why. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing. Now that we know what he went through, and I mean, he had a movie released, I think, two years ago, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Right. So, right. like, he was working up until mm-hmm. the the very end yep. Yep. and kept it secret, wanted to work, and, you know, wanted to keep his personal life personal. And I think you're right. Like, I'm not saying, like, I did not like his performance, and I think you nailed it. Mm-hmm. He's playing the literal king of a country. Exactly. And he has this weight much like the movie has a weight of, of importance upon it, his character, T'Challa, has the weight of 
this uh, this nation, this mantle of, of the Black Panther, of protecting these peoples, these five tribes. And so I get why he sort of had a solemnity to him mm -hmm. that perhaps the other characters didn't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, 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 you contrast him up against Jordan's take on Killmonger. Mm -hmm. And... And even even though he's not in there long, Winston Duke has uh, Mbaku. Yeah, great. Who's all, tr just <laughs> he's, tremendous. He's great. He's great. And 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 I I know he's easily missed in uh, his uh, his stint in uh, Endgame. But you you know he had just one split second of a scene where he you know he beats somebody and he's like screaming and and you're like oh Mbaku's back. That's great. So uh, yeah, he he was great in Black Panther. Yeah, but I and the, and the movie overall, like it, it was funny. Like halfway through the movie, I'm like, "Oh man, I think this is kind of disappointing." But mm, again, mm. how can any film live up to this, the sort of the reputation or, or or like what has been said about it in terms of like it's almost your expectations almost become too high. Well, but but is that though your expectation, Jason? Since you've heard so much about this film. You've maybe have more to you've expected more from it leading up to the challenge than I did walking into the film not knowing anything about it. And I didn't Wikipedia beforehand like I normally do, so I had no idea what I was going into. So, do you think that maybe your expectations were a little bit higher? Yeah, because I mean, this movie got nominated for Best Picture, yeah, yeah. um, mm -hmm. and and again, it meant so much to so many people, and so I'm bringing a certain just a I wonder if it's in a no-win situation where, like, either well, a certain I, film. I, I tell you, it's funny you say no-win situation. I don't. This film doesn't fit the criteria of a no-win situation when it came out. I think that the second film, <laughs> without uh, uh, Bozeman, is going to be in a no-win situation. I, oh, I, my God. I, I mean, can you imagine going into that film? Black Panther, without the Black Panther, I know that there are storylines in the Marvel Universe where there he has been replaced. But to do that, you know, and most people that paid the the 1.5 billion you know over to, to go see this film didn't know who the black panther was so now to get rid of the person to, to to not have the person in there because he passed on it's going to be a hard sell for a lot of people and you know the law of averages say that that film won't be as good financially or critically so you know talk about a no-one situation is kugler doing that one too i uh, believe so uh, uh yeah I, I i think so <laughs> i i'd be surprised be if he doesn't hold on a second <laughs> because like so I, you you look at like the actors and, and they frame it you know it opens in in oakland in 1992 mm -hmm. and also actually i thought the the device of the father telling the son a story mm -hmm. in the opening credits right. as a way of, of getting the the viewer into this world because like you said a lot of lot of, even comic book character I, I never read Black Panther I didn't, I didn't know anything about the character ah, yeah. yeah so there's this you know you have to bring people into this world almost immediately mm -hmm. and you know the, the 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 framing device of telling the story of, of the the history of, of Wakanda and then segueing to Oakland, 1992, and mm -hmm. credit, I did not realize that uh, Forrest Whitaker, Zuri, that mm -hmm. that was the same character as the young 
kid that was in the apartment where Sterling K. Brown was killed yes. by uh, yeah. <laughs> by T'Chaka. Yeah, and then and and again, I think that's why the movie as it goes as it goes on, it works even better and better. And I think the last like thirty five forty minutes are are tremendous. Mm-hmm. But um, I did think in the beginning it was it was a little. It was a little slow to get going, and as as everyone kinds of kind of finds their feet. But like every every other actor who's not weighted down by the the character, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is Wakabi, Sterling uh-huh. K. Brown, who only shows up briefly, right. and Angela Bassett, who's always tremendous and has been around now forever. I mean, she said she looked and 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 acted like a princess, like a queen in that film. She always looks regal in everything she's in. Yeah, Regal's the, is is the best way yeah, to, to to describe that character. Mm-hmm. But it, it it seems as though like I, I had a I had a thought that was kind of coming to me, and especially like Circus Circus is playing a, a completely over the top, out of out of control, batshit crazy villain, which is what you need <laughs> from that character. <laughs> right, right. But like Whitaker's Whitaker's been you know gold for what like thirty years now in terms of you put him in anything. I mean, he's gonna I mean if he pulled off Samurai Dog, he can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good movie, man. I that didn't say be... I didn't say it wasn't. I'm just saying okay. the guy I mean, listen, we all saw Forrest Whitaker as a um as a f- high school football player, and we thought he was amazing back in uh, 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 Fast Times at Ridmont High. So I mean he's done it's, whatever he's done has been amazing. I can't think of it, one bad performance. Yeah, it has been, it has been a long time, but again, yeah. like you know, Michael B. Jordan, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, he, yes, he's kind of a he's he's a classic comic book villain, but again, the, the stories and, and sort of the storylines that they're exploring and what Kugler and Joe Robert Cole are touching on, mm-hmm. kind of grounds this in the same way that um, in our reality, in the same way that Captain America: The Winter Soldier is like a political thriller, a political uh, right. paranoia thriller. This touches on sort of the topics of, you know, colonization and the history of, of what whites have done to European whites specifically have done to, right. you know, different African nations in, in the name of, I don't know, just yeah. capitalism or, right. or, or trying to ob- obtain empire. Yeah, empire. Absolutely. And, and I think all that made him something of a, well, not something, it made him a sympathetic character, one that the MCU did not have, and which is why, you know, one of the main um, um, critiques of the MCU is that their villains aren't very memorable. Uh, they don't, there's nothing to them. They're one-dimensional. You know, other than Loki, I would say that uh, Killmongers is the only other villain, um, you know, and, and Thanos, that, that, are you know we're talking 26 movies that are really that memorable so i i think that um jordan's take on this was very heartfelt it you know and he brought everything to this character to make it alive and i believed him when he was saying that he was doing this for his ancestors and not only that but also to bring uh more prosperity to African Americans throughout the entire world by sharing what Wakanda has been keeping secret all these years. Yeah, and and it grounds Kugler and Cole ground that character in a much in a in a believable, relatable, easily understandable uh, world when you realize that that's the kid that was in the the playground, yeah, looking up as the uh, as uh, T'Chaka's ship. Uh, mm-hmm. 
kind of disappeared into the clouds the day that his uncle, his father, the his day father, that his father yeah. was killed. Yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. played by Sterling K. Brown. And mm-hmm. again, you know, that's the other thing is that these there's more. I, I've commented so many times on mm-hmm. how I'm blown away at how many different actors are in these movies. Right, right. And you know, you open a movie with Sterling K. Brown. And the intensity that he brings, and you're like, right. God damn! Like everyone is <laughs> Angela Bassett, yeah, yeah. and uh, Lupita Nyong'o uh, yeah. as as Nikki. Like, yeah. every, there's yeah. a ton of really good talent in these movies, mm-hmm. which again makes me question why I was so reluctant for so many years to watch them. But then you get into it, and then and and you sort of you 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 sort of accept the world. Um, you're a CGI guy. Okay. I, well, we were getting there, I guess, at some point. But so go ahead. So my my thing with with Coog- like Coogler, I think, hits emotional beats as as well as any other director work in mm-hmm. uh, Fruitvale, Creed, right. and and this. Like I think they all work on on a really relatable emotional level. Right. Um, and I don't know why this movie, which is weird, because it it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. At points, and actually, I, I I think there's a way to look at this movie where you don't look at it, you don't view it, you don't experience it as a superhero movie, right, but you right. experience it as a fantasy film, kind of like uh, Lord of the Rings, or eh, I guess maybe Game of Thrones, but mm-hmm. sort of that epic world building sense. Because I think when the movie works best are the scenes when either Killmonger or T'Challa. Are sort of in that spirit world. Uh, are we talking we, CGI wise? It works best in that way. No, no. As oh, as okay. a story, well, for, yeah, yeah, both actually. Okay. As a story, I think those scenes work the best. I think they they hit home. I think when T'Challa sort of tells the spirit of his father in that spirit world that that he's the king now and and things are going to change. Right. Um, exactly. And when Killmonger, when you know, looking at his at his father and cries. Uh, like I think both of those scenes work really well, and also they look beautiful. That's see, that's the thing where they this do. this movie looks beautiful, but also questionable at the same time. Like that would be the, that would be uh, you know, if there's one thing that everybody and I, I mean it's universally spoken of. You watch any YouTube video talking about Black Panther, they are going to talk about those last five minutes that 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 um, that fight between uh, Killmonger and. Uh, T'Challa as being way too CGI to the point of being distracting. Um, you know, you have floating heads basically there. Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan's uh, floating head on the on their costumes. Uh, it's it's the only thing that you can really say it takes away from a little bit of this film, and it's it's a shame. But it, that's the only critique that I can ever really uh, find with it myself. Yeah, it was almost like they had to get this movie out the door, and so the yeah, time or the yeah, yeah like it, it almost feels unfinished. I saw a review um, on Letterboxd that said like, "What was was this movie rendered on a PlayStation 2? Because <laughs> yeah, when so, yeah. when Wakabi uh, and brings his his tribe or his people in on the the war rhinos, right, right, <laughs> like that should be a wildly impressive visual. Like just the idea of that, like because you know there's. If you're into history or military history, mm-hmm. the idea of Hannibal's war elephants yeah. fighting the Romans, it, it has for years been um, sort of like this this mythical, uh, amazing, like how do you even fight? If, if, if you have a spear and a shield, how do you fight an elephant? Well, like as, we, as we remember in the last season of Game of Thrones, Cersei wanted her elephants. 
Oh God! Don't. Do I, we, I know. Oh, I do know. Do we talk about the last season of Game of Thrones on this podcast? Well, we've mentioned it, but we—I mean—we're never going to really go over it. Obviously, I don't think anybody should. But she wanted her elephants from the Golden Army, so or, or whatever Golden Company. Excuse me. Yeah, the Golden Company. One of the great. Oh, God, we're introducing this character, or these this, these <laughs> characters, sorry. and you're never going to hear from them. Again. I'm sorry. So sorry. Don't I, even let's, bother. Let's not but, go into it. But yeah, get back to Black Panther, like. I, there are aspects of it, like the idea of the shields as the um, right, right. the capes, which I think I saw in Endgame, Endgame. or Infinity uh, War. No, you saw it in Infinity War, and I was going to say that uh, overall, as a battle scene, the Wakanda battle scene in Infinity War worked Is better better to me I, I, uh, than than uh, the one in Black Panther. You know, because like you said, the. <laughs> The CGI and the rhinos and a lot of the warships coming out from the tunnels underneath it. It, it was it was rendered a pretty pretty you know different uh, in a way that I did not find uh, smooth and or 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 that it worked for me. But again, it sort of serves my general theory that these movies work best when they're at their quietest and when you do have Cap and Iron Man. And T'Challa and Killmonger, like the 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 best. I'm, you know, again, personal opinion. Right. The best scene in the movie is T'Challa uh, carrying Killmonger out onto the ledge so he can see the what the Wakandan sunset. Uh, right, and and the most touching part of that film, right there, because, you know, he's he wants to see Wakanda and and really see Wakanda as as T'Challa sees it. And it, it's almost like there's a moment there that they do connect until he says, you know, just bury me at the ocean with my ancestors. You know, he doesn't he doesn't want to live if he was going to live in, in bondage like his ancestors. But even then, you know, the floating heads, it, it, it really took away and distracted me from enjoying that moment for what it should have been. And, and again, I'm, I'm nitpicking. However, I know that that is a criticism that many, many... People that are far more knowledgeable than me will will stick to also. Yeah, it kind of surprised me um, a little bit, considering like obviously the the CGI in these movies over geez what twenty years? Uh, how long have we been watching Marvel? Fifteen uh, years, sixteen yeah, since years, two thousand. Yeah, fifteen years. Um, the CGI comes and goes, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's like just a, a product of of budget or time. You know how much time they have to to make a scene perfect. But um, that's a good question. I, I really don't know. I mean, yeah, everything is done at Skywalker Ranch, so you know, you, you when it comes to Star Wars films, the quality pretty much is on par with uh, what came before it, or or, or infinitely better. Uh, you know, ten years on, but you're right. I don't know why it goes back and forth. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if if we if we know what makes a movie good, right? Then we would just say, well, every movie should be great because we know what makes a movie work so right. i guess there's no real even though cgi is a technical aspect and you can say oh we know what makes cgi look good if that were the case every movie would look incredible and that's right. just not the right. case right. um yeah but man the, the second half of this just works so much better for me than the first and i think it's because when when kugler and joe robert cole get away from sort of i think the very marvel the story beats of like we have to have a set piece, a set an action piece at this point in the film, and specifically the Busan sequence, which is kind of underwhelming. But then when it gets back to Wakanda, when it's it's wholly this sort of story of family and of 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 people sort of 
taking care of themselves and, and the more fantastical elements of it, the trippier elements of when whenever they're buried in that that's that sort of sand or that powder mm-hmm. and they you know they're able to explore the the spirit world right. um i thought that's when the movie works at its best which again mm-hmm. makes me think that marvel should be more willing to let if, if you're going to bring in directors like we've said this a thousand times like uh-huh. kugler and Zhao, right then let them do what they do best let them be a little more experimental let them try things that are different I, <laughs> I think they have. I, I really do. I think they have. And I think that it's just a, a medium that maybe that they are not 100% comfortable with. It's, it's you know, to go from Fruitvale Station to Black Panther within your third movie is a huge, huge jump. And Chloe Zhao herself to go from Nomadland for what it was, like you said last week, you pointed out non-professional actors, you know, acting on film to Eternals with a $250 million CGI budget. I I don't know how they can be so comfortable. Uh, I know they can tell the story, but I don't think a, a person like Chloe Zhao can ever truly envision what that film is going to be when she's done with it. I just don't think she can. Yeah, which gets us back to the old David Lynch line about how yeah. if you can't have final cut on a film, don't make the film. Okay, all right, I, that's uh, understandable. Just just so you know, I'm, I clicked on the uh, the sequel, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Yes, he is doing, and it, it yeah, it is Coogler, uh, mm-hmm. and he's going to write the script along with Joe Robert Cole. Right. Oddly enough, no. Um, no one is credited. No actor is credited here as Black Panther or as, as well, I mean, uh, Chadwick Boseman was credited as T'Challa, right. but you know, you have all, you know, they're bringing back everyone from the first one. They've added a few parts like uh, Michaela Cole, who did the HBO series, I May Destroy You. Um, but, and so there's a few new people, but right. Right. I guess that's probably going to be like the, God, would you want to play that role after? Would you want to follow Bozeman? I, and, I, I, I think I know which way they're going with it. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where we have to worry that the, somebody is going to f- directly follow up Bozeman. I think the way that they're going to be going is going to be a complete 180, and it will satisfy a big chunk of the audience as well as fulfill storylines that have been shown already in the comics. Or are, are you are you gonna make me beg? Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, I, I believe it's gonna be Shuri that's gonna be the next Black Panther. She's already his sister. Yeah, his sister. I I, I believe that uh, from what I've read, uh, she's or not that I've read these stories in the comics, folks. It's just that uh, I I I know of it that she does become take up the mantle at some point, and uh, I think that's what they're gonna end up doing in this particular film also. And I, I would be okay with it. She was definitely a great character, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, smart. Uh, you know, she, she's, she has a presence about her. And, uh, you know, she's got enough support. I think that she could do a great job. Yeah, and again, like, because here's, like, everyone in the movie, other than uh, Bozeman, who, again, has the weight of playing this regal, right. um, the, you know, literally the king, so you're probably not going to get a jovial... Uh, character type with that, but everyone else in the movie seemed to be a little more uh, 
I don't want to say emotive because Bozeman is making choices and, and he pulls it off. And by the end of the movie, you clearly, you're, you're on his side. There's yeah, no way absolutely. to not be on his side. Yeah. But like, um, uh, uh, Denai uh, Garia, uh, I might be pronouncing her yeah. name wrong, as a Koye. Um, okay, yes. She's great. Yeah, and, She's and, great in that. She, absolutely. Yeah, like, and, and again, and, and Bassett and everyone, and, and Kaluuya as, as Wakabi, everyone's, everyone else seems to be allowed to enjoy or relish the world that they're in whereas Bozeman T'Challa is sort of the emotional glue that has to keep everyone together and so he's not really allowed even in those moments when it's kind of like there are a few points in the beginning when he kind of almost gets into bond like quips Mm -hmm. well in the scene in the in the in the jungle and and Okoye says he froze didn't he Mm-hmm. And it's like it never he's never seems to be able to let go. But, you know, I, I again, it's the character and it's not necessarily the performance. It's the character. It's how they wanted the character to, to come across. I, uh, I I think that we uh, a few years later have realized what this film really has meant to people, not only on a personal level, but in in Hollywood circles all around. Um, remember when he passed away, we didn't believe it. You know, we didn't realize that he was sick. And when we were hearing that, like, how do we not know this in the world of uh, social media? How do you not know that somebody has been sick all this time? Um, but, you know, this movie has been referenced. It's, it's part of the, it's part, like you, you like the, your word, the zeitgeist, you know, when you have a film like coming America Two out and, and they, they refer to, uh, the nation of Wakanda in Africa, and they're like, oh, Wakanda's not a real, not a real nation. Or, or you know, people like LeBron James doing the Wakanda Forever salute during games. You know that that was everywhere. I mean, it's it it has really captured a lot of people's attention the last few years, and I think that overall, it was um, the top three Marvel movie for me. Uh, it, it, it top five at the at, at the at at the least, and um, and and I think that its social issue message worked very well. Yeah, I think I think it does because it's never the the social issues are woven in, and a lesser writer, lesser writers would have made it too obvious and yes. too ham fisted, mm-hmm. and I think. I think Cole and Kugler are able to weave in very real aspects of our world into this world mm-hmm. in such a way where you ex- you accept them and you're like, oh yeah, that's believable motivation for that character. I totally get that, and I'm on board. Like I I I think I think lesser writers would not have been able to pull this off with the dexterity with which Cole and Kugler get it done. Okay, and I think you know, I guess in in the end, I just. I, maybe because it's one of those origin story ones, although you really kind of get the origin in the first Civil War. two and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, we've, we've commented on any superhero movie that has to sort of address the origin of a character is never as good as the subsequent movie, right? I, I agree. I agree. Like uh, Batman Begins. Dark Knight. Not as good as The Dark Knight. <laughs> I agree. Um, Man of Steel. Kind of a little too... Too much. Too much. 45 minutes of that, yeah. That's also Zack Snyder, and it's kind of morose. And obviously, for the Richard Donner films with Christopher Reeve, yeah, Superman Two mm-hmm. is an infinitely better movie than Superman One. Although Superman One's a great movie, yeah, I agree, I agree. But again, you know, yeah. 
it's funny because Superman 2 is also a great movie because Terrence Stamp as General Zod is just chewing scenery in every time he's on screen. And you wonder if movies like this live and die on the quality of the villain. Uh well, as I said, most uh, m- most film aficionados that enjoy the Marvel films the last 15 years will say the biggest gripe is the generic villains, how they are dispatched by the end of the film, killing them off entirely, which I, I, I don't agree with. If you want to make a villain memorable, you have to give them a few uh, you have to give them a few films or some scenes here and there. I mean, everybody knows who Blofeld is because, you know, he was around more than one film. Uh, and same with Thanos. I mean, they started teasing him in 2012, and the payoff came seven years later. So, you know, I, I, I am one of those people that say the villains have been the biggest problem for, for Marvel for a long time. Well, you know, and that, that gets to, in a larger discussion of comic book movies, that gets to the reason why I think Batman is a better movie character than Superman, because Superman's villains are unmemorable. I, I, I agree. I couldn't tell you one major Superman villain over the last uh, 35 years of collecting comic books. I couldn't tell you. Uh, honestly. Who was the who was the guy that used to say his name backward? Mr. Mitzelplick? Uh, Mr. Mitzelplick. And, 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 and that is a character that was best done by Alan Moore in a quick one shot uh, back in 1986 when they were resetting the entire... Superman uh, comics for the most part. So that was done amazingly. Otherwise, right. I can't remember anybody. Right, but you can pound out a half dozen Batman villains that oh, yeah. are incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can you can read one storyline from 2002 called Hush and you would have every single one of his uh, main villains in it and and fleshed out enough that you can enjoy them. You know, it's a shame we arrived at this point and this late into the podcast because there's probably an interesting discussion to be had on whether or not we watch movies like this for the heroes because I'm sure we do but by and large the villains become the most memorable aspects of film and I mean going outside of comic book movies like Michael Corleone in the Godfather movies is the villain of course he's a psychopath Uh, 100% 100%. But, and, and and when you talk about the comic book villains, um, the villains have become such a huge name in themselves where, you know, you have a movie not not called Batman, but you call the Joker, where it's in the top five films of the year wins best actor for the uh, for Joaquin Phoenix. And I believe was up for uh, the best film also, if I'm not mistaken. I think um, I think it was. Yeah. So. Uh, you're right. You're right. Do we go for the villain or do we go for the for the hero? Um, maybe it's depending on who's playing these characters. Also, uh, you know, by by the second Batman film in the um, uh, with Bale in it. Uh, you know, we love Bale, and we didn't know what we were going to get with uh, Heath Ledger, <laughs> and, and you know, it turned out to be a genius performance. Yeah. What we got was something for the, was a character yeah, yeah, for the yeah. ages. Absolutely, absolutely. Which, but yeah, so. But it is it, it is an interesting thought. To, is it the is it the performance or is it the character or do we is there something about us that likes seeing a window into that part of ourselves yeah. that we're never supposed to acknowledge? Hmm. 
Well, you know? that's, a, that's a very good question. So if uh, any of our listeners want to weigh in, uh, let us know. and uh, Send a message on our Facebook page or Instagram and let us know. We'd love to uh, bandy that about. Yeah, man, I'm glad... Uh, I'm glad you gave me this one, uh, Black Panther. I'd, I'd wanted to see it. And then when we started this project, um, geez, almost three, four months ago, yeah. uh, I decided to to hold off. And obviously I'd held off because I hadn't seen any MCU movies. But um, I'm glad you went back and you threw this one at me. I'm glad I saw it. Uh, I wish Kugler was given about 15 more million for that fight scene at the end. I think. Yeah, I'm sure he does too. But uh, you know, whatever they gave him, I'm sure he's happy with anyway. So yeah, uh, yeah but, hopefully. Uh, yeah, you're you're done with Marvel for a while. I don't think uh, we're gonna have to go back anytime soon. So uh, whatever we go going forward, uh, you know, folks, you're gonna have to stick with us on this one. You're just gonna have to trust our our choices, our challenges. I think yeah. it, I think if anyone is still listening to us that has been with us for a long time, and we know we know that there are a few. There are a few. Um, we appreciate that. I think you're going to I think you will have by this point decided that all right, I'm on board for this. I'm I'm going to watch the movies maybe I haven't seen or I'm going to hopefully listen to a different take on something, which kind of puts me in a spot of where I take you next. Oh boy, oh boy. How come you always tell me that? I mean, I have a whole list over here. And you No, tell no, I have <laughs> I finally have a list. I've been oh, okay. for the first okay. for the first like 14 episodes I was winging it and the movie would just kind of pop into my head. Right, right, right. Okay. But now I'm wondering. We haven't done. I'm trying to. Oh, we did Shin Godzilla. That's a that was a foreign film. That was a Japanese film. Right, right. Why don't you give me? I know that you're always more prepared than oh, I am. Yeah. So why don't you hit I'm, me I'm first? I'm ready to go. You know, you brought this up earlier uh, about David O. Russell. When I asked you if uh, you you like him, you you were you were kind of meh with it. And I was going to give you something from him. Uh, that if you thought if you thought that some of the stuff you saw recently was cringy, this one would have oh boy. However, I'm gonna hold off, and uh, we're definitely we're we're instead going to go with uh, a man and his dog. The the story of a man and his dog, John Wick from 2014. Ah. Um, unbelievably, folks, that Jason has not seen this film. Not that Jason doesn't like action films. Not that Jason doesn't like uh, Keanu Reeves. However, he has not seen this film, although he may know a lot about it. Um, Jason, I am really looking forward to what you think about this movie and, it, uh, and, and, and specifically Keanu Reeves' performance in this film and, and uh, what you come back with it because I love this film. I know that it, had kick-started, it has kickstarted a franchise that nobody thought was going to be around. This is not... This came out of left field entirely in 2014. Blew me away. Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing what you have to say. Does the dog die? Uh, Jason, I don't. Ah, I don't gosh. know. Okay, I, I don't here's know. the question: Is Ian McShane in the first one? Yeah, he's in it. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, All right. Absolutely. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, yeah. he is, he, the, these characters and and the, they are fleshed out by the end of this film. You will have you have a good feeling for all of these characters. And while uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'll be challenging you with two and three, the, the world that they occupy and build in this first movie it really is engrossing. Uh, you know, you know, suspend we we suspend belief whenever we watch a film. I know. So this is no different, uh, but I don't think that you'll have to suspend it to the point that you're like, none of this works for me. I think you'll enjoy it, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say, and I think other people will too. 
I'm excited because yeah. part of this, in addition to the fact that we're trying to open up ourselves up to mm-hmm. kinds of films that we wouldn't otherwise see on our own, right. I think the other thing is that there's just so much culture out mm-hmm. there. It's almost impossible to keep up with everything right, right. now, right? right. Like exactly. it's just there's, I, I, I don't know the number, but there are literally hundreds of original scripted television shows that have aired this year, and mm-hmm. we are only we're recording on May thir- on March seventh. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, hundreds. It's insane. It's insane. It, it is so insane. And 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 you say and you've said it before that there's very little originality out there in Hollywood, and and I agree with you. However, I will, I am challenging you with this film because I think it was an original story. It really was to me. I, I don't know of any other genres or films in the past that really touched on the uh, th- that touched on the tones uh, and story points that this film did. You 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 may be able to point it out differently, but I, I think that you will definitely enjoy it. All right, so now I'm I'm faced with a conundrum because there is we could do a themed episode. We've done a couple of themed episodes, yeah, oh, sure, mostly. By accident, yeah, right? I, I, like, like, I like the ones that happen by accident. <laughs> right. Yeah, so yeah. now, so you gave me John Wick, which mm-hmm. I've never seen, but obviously is in, in the culture. I'm right. aware of it. Right, right, um, right. Now I'm wondering, I think I'm going to give this to you. I don't think you've seen it, but I saw it. I, I spent uh, a couple weeks in Florida at, at uh, visiting my wife's family. Mm-hmm. I mean, my wife was with me. I, I didn't go by <laughs> myself and leave Nicole uh, at home. All right, Nicole, I'll see you later. I'm hanging out with yeah. your brother. <laughs> so there was a there was a day that there was a night that I needed a, a little bit of a break. I'm I'm an introvert. I don't do well around people for any amount of time. This is actually true, folks. And I watched uh, a movie featuring Bob Odenkirk. Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Have you seen Nobody? I've only seen a one scene from Nobody. It's one of those things that you catch on uh, on YouTube, and they'll show uh, a scene. So I I I know of the film. I don't know of the overall um, uh, story arc of the film. However, I will say this: and I'm looking forward to it. I will say this: some people have said it is a poor man's John Wick. Okay. So, seeing as how John Wick came first. You are going to tell me if you feel that way, and I'm curious if you're you're seeing no uh, nobody is going to actually uh, deter you a little bit or influence your thought about John Wick. So I'm curious. This th- I think this is perfect, right? Yeah, because absolutely. we have two movies that are essentially very similar, touching on similar themes. Right, right. Um, uh, John, uh, nobody came out in 2021. I think John Wick was what 2016, 20, no, 2014. 14. It's yeah. been that long. Yeah, and but they've they've done two uh, two sequels since, and they're Jesus. they're on the fourth one will be out next year. They already have the promos for it for 2023. All right. Yeah. All right, so 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 we have a themed, we have an action set piece themed yeah, week next week. Yeah. Okay. All right. And yeah, we'll see if the original is the uh, if the, uh, the the copy is as good as the original. All right. I like this. I like yeah. this. So for next week, we're going to do John Wick and nobody. Yeah. Um, Challenge accepted. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sounds good, man. Uh, that'll be coming to you a week from today. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is going to be released in about twenty minutes yeah, uh, on March seventh, and right. you know. Well, next week, it'll be another week of Movie Challenge Accepted. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've come this far, uh, we did, again, Black Panther and The Death of Stalin. Both of us had a good time. Yes. Uh, both of us enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And Arco, as ever, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, for everyone listening, we will see you next time on Movie Challenge Accepted.
Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.